Hi, everybody. Uh, this is Ben Kitchings of the History Voyager, and I'm here with Mr. Uh, Pete Thornton. Um, hey, Pete. Uh, these days, Pete, well, we'll get into that in a second, but years and years ago, when dinosaurs roamed the world, uh, Pete and I went to college. Um, and I wanted Pete to come on and directly address something that gets talked about off air by folks all over the world quite frequently. Yeah. Yeah. To, to me, like this is, so I've told my people, uh, I'm doing an oral history cleverly disguised as a podcast, right? To me, this is like the biggest story out there. And nobody's honest about it. Dude, I am actually super <laughs> glad you think that because it is it is like it is near and dear, like not dear yeah. in my heart, actually. But it, 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 it was a big portion of my life. And so I don't know how many other people feel it. But um, uh, actually, anyway, we'll, we'll get into it, I'm sure. Well, the thing I was going to say is what I was shocked to learn is that this not even, it, first of all, it's all over the country, but it's also all over the world. This is a problem that happens all over the world. And why, okay, and essentially it boils down to this. The link between school and work has been broken or is breaking or whatever, whatever you want to call it, whatever words you want to use. Cooked. It's done. Benito. <laughs> uh, okay. Can you be a little more specific? But but you're very, you, sir, are unique. Why don't you talk about your background so you, people understand you're not just some angry person that found a podcast yeah hey like listen let's not let's not uh uh label it um it's uh it's that too no uh yeah you're right like <laughs> listen got to meet i met your your host uh ben kitchens and uh at uh college reinhardt college now university and had a great time there went up there got away from uh, my hometown uh, lawrenceville georgia suburbs of atlanta it's in gwinnett county you pass two um like water towers there it says gwinnett is great and success lives here is the other one, you know, like big, big county for like student athletics. And, you know, one of the things you would do coming, you know, being born in the 80s, kind of like being raised through the 90s is it was a big push to go and, uh, and be in college. And it's not that hard to get into college. I was fortunate to get to go on a uh, on a soccer scholarship. And that's why I ended up at Reinhardt. But uh, met Ben there. I knew he'd been back and forth between uh, University of Florida and then Reinhardt. Met another great buddy there. Some of the pros of college, uh, met my future wife at college. And, uh, a lot of these things like college was an excellent vehicle for excellent vehicle, like got in before the huge, huge, or during, I said, the, the huge university increases in price. Um, and then, you know, went through and I was actually a pre-medical student. I wasn't a pre-medical student because I had a passion for going into medicine. In fact, when I like actually observed and shadowed surgeries, it's pretty grossed out. You know, I could handle it, but I wasn't into it, but it was just something ambitious. And they say, go to college, 
find your passion. And then, you know, that's the end of story. If you did college, you're, you're you know, you're dust your hands off job done. Um, then when, uh, when I decided towards the end that I don't think medical is like really for me, there's a lot of people on the other side who seem stuck. They have too much education to transition out. And, um, and I met four in a row, four disgruntled doctors right in a row my senior year. And nobody in my family was medical. So nobody could tell me like, Hey, there might be like something good on the other side of all that. So decided instead of going to school, professional school till I'm 30, I will go and get a master's degree because again, you never feel ready for the world. The pitch is you go to school until you, you know, are automatically siphoned into the world. It's supposed to have something to do with your passion, but it all has to do with sitting in classrooms that entire time. So I went on to get a master's degree. And once I finished with that master's degree, I was more confused than when I finished the bachelor's degree. Did exceptionally well on both degrees, like 3.8, 3.9 GPAs back to back there. Uh, but when I kind of started figuring my way into the world, there was very few things to do with the two hard science degrees that I had outside of going on to more school. So that was when I had to decide between PhD or actually going into the workforce. And I decided, you know what, going to the workforce, I think it's enough schooling, even though I fairly well enjoyed it. And I was getting most of it okay paid for, like not having to come out too hard on student loans. And that's when I figured out like, oh, after this many years of school, I only know how to do school. And I had a penchant for helping others. Like I'd been a YMCA camp counselor. I'd been a soccer player. So I'm like, listen, I'll teach and I'll coach. So that's when I went into education. So I don't know, maybe, maybe to pause there. I know, uh, Ben, you kind of have your, your undergrad story as well. And, uh, I don't know if we're going to bat it back and forth on uh, some of the background. Well, for this, I would just like, you know, you to talk, but let me, okay. So I didn't go to Florida. I went to Florida state. Um, but you have a good memory cause that was many years ago <laughs> at this point. Um, met some cool people at Florida state. Um, I was actually there during Bush v. Gore, and I have some really interesting stories. Um, kind of off air, I, I guess maybe they can be on. I don't know. Um, but that would be roping people in that may, might not want to get roped into the podcast in the top ten percent in the world, and that's sort of an etiquette thing. Um, but yeah, I, I met Pete in college, but. What I remember was, um, so about you was, and you weren't just helping people. Like you had a, you had a cousin, I think, right? Was it? Oh yeah. Cousin? Yeah. 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 That's good memory. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. So you had a cousin that was, uh, what, what term do you think we can use? Right. So yeah, they're, they're not down yeah. syndrome. There's there. Uh, my two cousins are uh, like just mentally handicapped. They kind of have their own thing. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I grew up with, uh, with <laughs> Tim and Martin constantly around. And so that was just, is just very natural to have like, uh, you yeah. know, mentally handicapped, uh, individuals yeah. around. Yeah. So maybe that plays into a little bit of the, uh, of, uh, of some form of mission on like, you know, helping others or trying to, or right. trying to be in like a people oriented business like education. Right. So, so you get off into education and I remember like, um, I don't remember exactly when this was, but I remember meeting you, uh, somewhere, uh, like at a, I feel like it was a restaurant, but maybe not. Like I said, water under the bridge. 
Um, but you, you had some very interesting stories about what being a, a, was it a middle school teacher or a high school teacher was like? Both, and, both. Yeah. A middle school is the crazier stories. I don't know. I don't know which ones are actually in high school. They get arrested yeah. in middle school. They, uh, they uh, stab each other and then go into the hallway and cry about it because they're like in between being like a, I call them baby gangsters. Like they can't, <laughs> they can't figure it out. You know, they're going to be like a oh, bad boy, bad boy. What you going to do like one minute. And then you bring them into the hallway and they're like, they're, they're blubbering like a seven year old. It's puberty, man. You're, you're, you're there to get them through puberty. There's, there's, <laughs> you're, you're yeah. full-time babysitter in a lot of cases, uh, especially with, uh, you know, some of the education reforms, like no child left behind you're, you're definitely there to do that. It's still it's it's going to be childcare no matter what to some degree when they're younger. But uh, certainly once the uh, the standards fell out the bottom, I actually have a lot of fond memories of both uh, middle school and high school. But uh, the stories are certainly there. So if you don't need a paycheck but you uh, get paid in stories, uh, maybe education would be for you. Why don't you give? Can are you allowed to give us some of the stories? Because some of my guests have are under some NDAs, but are you allowed to give some of the stories? Yeah, yeah, sure. What is it? What is it? What is it? So, so I left, I left teaching in 2016. I started in 2006. Um, and so I left teaching, um, uh, I left teaching. I retired from teaching. It was technically 10 years in the public school system, state of Georgia. And before that, it was two years in the master's degree teaching biology labs at university of Tennessee, Chattanooga. Um, the, the story is how about, how about day one day one first day ever teaching i show up without having any education background i'd been given i've been given uh, a handful of dittos if you remember dittos dittos are just old copies of uh of little worksheets you can offer um i had broad field certification science certification so they could stick me in any class uh, they wanted to in science and they did so I would end up teaching over the course of 10 years, physics, chemistry, physical science, biology, anatomy, botany, and something they called biology too that actually didn't exist. It's just that they need seniors to get a fourth science credit. So they had done so poorly in biology, they called this biology too, and it had the same textbook. Um, so uh, that one was hilarious. Uh, we actually ordered camouflage shirts Um and uh, and they called themselves the wild thornberries, like uh, like my last name's Thornton, so it's like Thorntonberries or Thornberries. It's like some play on words on some movie that was popular at the time. Uh, but my first yeah. day teaching, I was teaching these kids. These kids are enormous. They drink like uh, I think I think it's all the steroid milk, you know. And so uh, I was like, man, these, these kids are so big. I, you know, I'm not the super biggest guy in the world. And I always wore a shirt and tie because I mainly wanted to like stick out from the students in some way, shape or form. So they wouldn't do dumb things around me. You don't have to like, like referrals. But I handed out Jolly Ranchers because I'm like, oh, yeah, let's play a little name game, something like that. Something I probably read online the day before I started teaching because I, I had no um, formal education background besides just taking classes for all of my life. And um, and the, re- the way I learned that their physical attributes didn't match like their mental attributes was I had the biggest kid in the whole class. This guy, he came up to me after like uh, everybody was leaving the bell rang. He goes, oh, Coach, Coach Thornton. I'm like, oh, yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like looking up at him. He's a monster. It's like Andre the Giant, if you remember from back in the day. And I'm looking up at this monster of a kid. And he's just, but the way he's talking is like a seven-year-old. He goes, oh, you skipped me with the Jolly Ranchers. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, pal. Well, here, here, let's get it. Pick your color. What, what flavor do you like? You know, and you're like, oh, you're teaching kids. These are kids. And that was my like big aha moment. 
for uh, for that. I also uh, inadvertently the uh, the very second semester of that first year. These are both first year teacher stories. Um, I brought in, I brought in for the very end, this is biology too. This was the fake class. I had been faking a class with no state standards for, uh, for an entire semester. Uh, some, there was one kid in there who was, uh, almost 21 years old. They were just trying to get these kids graduated. So you, with no child left behind, they, they essentially dropped the standards to the point where they were, you, you have to tailor your curriculum to the lowest tier of a class. And the whole point is to get them graduated. Um, and you know, but listen, like that sounds good on paper. It probably sounded good on Capitol Hill, but the reality of the situation is that that is a, uh, that's a losing proposition trying to, uh, it's, it's a race to the bottom at that point. So anyway, nice kids though. They just, they, they should have been working at that point. They should have gotten a vocational degree, which they had gotten rid of all the vocational degrees. Everyone was college prep when I started, started that year. 2006, uh, or, or maybe it was 2007 when they actually passed it and changed everything. And, uh, and then these kids, uh, I brought in, I said, Hey, you're about to go into the workforce. So l- let me bring in the, it'll be a funny movie. You'll like it. We're, we're last day of class. Anyway, as soon as we finish the final, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll watch this movie. It was on VHS. So that's how old it was. It's a movie called office space and office space because maybe they're going to go work in an office, right? Well, dude, I don't know. I didn't remember. I didn't have anybody checking on my classes. I didn't have any real curriculum. I was just on my own floating. And there was all these huge kids in there who were like 20 years old, you know, maybe uh, what at the time, four years younger than I was. And uh, I put it in and all of a sudden they start cussing and stuff like that. Like it's like watching a movie in front of your kids or your parents and you go, oh, I didn't know that they said all that stuff because you don't filter it like that, but you filter it like that around another audience. And, uh, and I was like, guys, guys, I'm sorry. I got to take this VHS out. And they're like, no, Thornton. They just Thornton, Thornton. That's what they called me. It's like rural North Georgia school. Mm-hmm. Thornton, don't take it out. No, we love this. I'm like, man, I bet you do. And I was like, well, dude, these kids are like, they're all over 17. Heck, half of them could almost like go and buy beer after school. So I was just like, all right, you want to watch the movie? One person has to stand at the door and watch for the principal. The other person has to stand near the, uh, the record, like the VHS, so you can hit stop. And then the third person has to push the TV out of the way. And we're going to point up there to whatever I've drawn on the board and act like we're like doing <laughs> So that's like. Actually, know. wait. I, okay. Let me interject because I remember this story. I remember you had actually, like, you told me, like, you said, what I did was I went on the, to the blackboard and I wrote something or some problem or whatever, whatever it was. I don't remember. But, you know, it's just something off the top of your head. And then you went back to it. <laughs> it's a script. Yeah. Like we had a script and it's like, as soon as the door would yeah. open, we'd be like, and yeah. what do we call that? They're like genetics, you know, just something, something where we're all, we're kind of in it together. Uh, which was, yeah. that was a blast, man. I, I like those kids. Listen, I had one of the kids that was in a similar class to that. It, it was not that class. It was probably the next year showed up at my door maybe two months ago. Uh, I live in a different house than I used to live in. And it was the bug busters guy, right? Got to get some pest control out here. And I looked up and, you know, they always gain weight. It's hard to tell exactly like their physical structure. They, they grow up, they get taller, they get bigger, they get their grown up bodies, um, like their jaws square off, the guys do, things like that. And then, you know, maybe they just change shape. So it's hard to recognize them. But I looked up and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'll leave his name out of it, but I'm just like, is it UEF? And he goes, 
coach like that. I'm like, man, I can't believe you're alive. He's like, oh, I can't either. I wasn't even making fun. Like this dude had troubles and he went down a rough road, but here he was like bug busters, yeah. number one guy in Chattanooga. I'm like, oh, I'm so proud of you. You're alive. You know, <laughs> it wasn't like I was always teaching the gifted classes. Maybe I can put it like that. Uh, but they're on the workforce now. Half of them have, you know, three, four kids. I have one child. You know, these these kids are, are grown up. They're good kids, man. It was 10 years. These are mostly good kids. Um, the reason for any of my thoughts about education and teaching is really because of the road it leads you down. There's a lot of things that people want to do in education. There's education reform. Right? I, I, I've been on the inside for a decade. I saw what it was, what it was versus when I went to school and then just a very few years later in public education. And now I have a child and I have to decide for my child, will I put you in that kind of a class or will I put you uh, spend more than my mortgage to put you in a different kind of situation, like a different kind of culture in a private institution, a private school, which I'm still a, a fan of through maybe fifth grade. Um, after that, my, my pitch, my, my theory is that public school or private school has nothing more to offer in this day and age. And the reason is, is because finally one day when I was teaching student, smart student said, Hey, coach Thornton, when am I ever going to need to know this? And I looked at him, I was like, I gotta tell you what, buddy, you're not. He's like, what? It's a very fundamental thing. Like it was, it was fairly, it was fundamental. And there's, you, you can say I'm cynical about this, but the truth was, is that that person was not going to need to know that. And it was repetitive and it was dull and like, and like human beings, even when they're young, even when they're starting in seventh grade is my, is my postulate. And even younger, my daughter can help. She's six years old, but they are yearning for real life experiences and they have the ability to do so. But if we keep everyone in school till they're 18, then 22, then 24, then 30, which is what happens. Everything college is the new high school. High school is the new middle school. Master's degrees are everything. Everybody's requiring this and this and this and this. And then what has happened, though? Those people, and it's people in our generation. I'm going to be 40 years old in a few months. So it's, it's, it's five years either side are in this place where they are overeducated, underemployed, and in debt from it. And it's silly because what happens is you end up spending spending so long in college that you get trained and indoctrinated into moving so slow from any idea that you have to any practical application of it. The whole thing is no, get another degree. You like that kind of stuff? Good. Spend two years more learning about it. Get the sheet of paper, get the certification. And the fact is, is like we have very, there's like a natural law within human beings that says, if you are interested or have passion around it, you can go figure it out rapidly reading books, doing the Goodwill hunting style. If you remember that movie, you know, ah, I got, I got this education for two thirty-five at the library and late fees. You know, you got the Matt Damon accent going, um, or you could do it. You can just be the Google pro and you just jump on Google, you figure it out, but that's the way it needs to be. And people need to go out and they need to actually students and teachers alike need to move into the real world because it's changed. It's technological world. Everything has moved on and you just need to do things that you don't understand, but that you could figure out very, very quickly because that's what happened to me. I had to leave education and I would recommend that anybody who is teaching take their final semester. This is an excellent time of year to make the decision and then go ahead and tell them I retire or I quit and you finish out your semester and over the summer, because you have one more paycheck. You take that resume, you start knocking doors and you go anywhere else in the world and you will find out. And this is the big kicker. 
you will find out you can make three times as much money utilizing that educational skill set in the world. And you are much more employable. You are more well-rounded. Uh, you are uh, you are safer in the world. Um, and you don't you don't have your summers anymore. But those summers are 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 always spent being creative, trying to figure out how to save money because you're not making any money in education. I I still I still am a huge fan of books. I use I use Google every day, and I'm I'm in books, whether they're audio books or uh, regular books, about every day as well. Um, as well as, you know, YouTube's TV, YouTube's TV for me. And like, it's, it's educational content at this point, since I'm kind of flipping the script on what I'm doing in life. Um, but when, when, when I, the problem that I came to in education was when I knew that I needed to leave education, I felt trapped by my own education. I immediately went into a cycle of seeking new degrees. And I think that's what everybody does. I like this. So I'm going to get another degree in it. And it's always like back to school, back to school, back to school. And um, what happened at that time was uh, this was my year eight. And I said, yeah, you know, maybe I can do school on the side while I finish teaching two more years, get vested, vested with the state of Georgia, get a baby retirement, uh, which is, you know, it's not worth staying for two more years. If you're ready to leave, I'll say that much. But um, I, I gave myself a few years. It figured that you could come up with another degree to move into a new career field in um in in two years i looked back into medical found out my credits had timed out so i'd have to restart not only would i have to restart and go into more schooling the volunteer hours needed to go to a new degree uh would be such to the point that not the minimum requirements but the averages to get into any of the schools in like the tri quad state area uh, would have required eight years eight years of my nights and weekends to make a change just to go ahead and make another salary that was uh, that was definitely higher, but uh, but that that was just too much. And at that point, I said, "That's it. That's it. School school is not the place for me anymore." And I you know I love school. I'm good at school, but it's just that that wasn't going to be how it went. So that's how I ended up finding my way into a career field that that you could only that you couldn't get a degree for because that was at that point that was all that was all that was left to do. And, but just like a teacher, you know, if you're, if you're a teacher, if you enjoy picking up books and learning that way, which I do, uh, I just picked up three books on sales. I was like, all right, so here's going to be the way this goes. And it was, uh, it was Christmas time of maybe that, like end of uh, that 2015 coming around on 2016 when you're trying to make that decision, uh, had a little bitty baby at home, little Cosette was born already and, and was still, you know, infant and diapers, not yet one. And uh, it was just starting to list out companies like, who could you go work for? How could this work? And it was three books on sales. And then eventually a, uh, a snow day from school in uh, February, snow day from school. Uh, my wife's a teacher too, you know, Kendall. And, uh, and so I, I pop up, start putting on a suit and grab uh, 25 copies of, a, of an old resume and then like head downtown and just start knocking on doors, like looking for other jobs. And that was the first time I just kind of decided that it wouldn't be from you know, my previous education, because once you have a long term and expensive education, you're kind of looking for ways to uh, utilize it. So it was the first time like I was just listen, I'm going to step away from the master's degree, the biology degree, any experience I have in uh, in teaching and just go do this other thing. Um, and and, you know, it has a good outcome, but that's quite a scary thing to do. Um, if if anybody was like in education, thinking of leaving education, though, I have to tell them this, like. I went and took the the bottom the bargain basement like smallest little job that I could take, and uh, and it was it was it was hitting the phones. I, I was standing beside 
standing because a little standing desk, standing beside um, people that when I started teaching 10 years prior, I could not have taught them because um, after a master's degree and uh, and everything, I was 24 years old teaching uh, freshmen in high school. And these folks were still in seventh or eighth grade <laughs> when I started teaching. So it's a hilarious interaction between these like really young uh, folks coming straight out of their undergrad programs into the workforce. And there I am. Um, but even standing beside them and, and going all the way back to the lowest possible rung on a career ladder. By the end of that year, my W-2 read the same as a, like a teacher with 10 years and a master's degree. So that's the, that's the thing. Like there is no going backwards from a teaching salary. Like you can go out and get a whole new worldview and on the job education in something else because you already make so little. If you're living a lifestyle like that, you're only spending what you make as a teacher, you're good to go. Like you'll, you'll be okay. And then the upside from there is that within two years, I doubled my salary. And then at this point, I've tripled my salary, more than tripled my salary. Uh, and I'm not even in sales anymore. Like I have a salary position. It's not based on commissions whatsoever. And it's triple what I made as a teacher, a mere, I guess it's been five full years later. Uh, and just happier than I've ever been as far as these things go. Um, I work remotely. Uh, I'm in technology. Everybody has to wear the masks and go in. I do not. Like, listen, I work very hard, but I just want people to know because I feel I talk to a lot of people who feel trapped in what they're doing. And unless you're like a radiologist, you know, with a ton of debt and loans and you're making a million and you live in the million dollar home and you're just you're, you're you've got the golden handcuffs, like unless you're in that kind of situation, then you can definitely jump and go make it. And, uh, and that's what I call like the final semester. So like I have teacher buddies that still that still hit me up. Now, most of them that I know from my time, they're they're too far. They're like uh, approaching year 20 in teaching. Once you've crossed about that 15 year mark, you're you're, you're probably not going to do anything else. Right. But if you're a teacher is less than 15 years in and you're considering something else, you can so go do it. There was another teacher who left the year after a math teacher. And she went to go do mortgages. She seems she seems super happy. I see her pop up on LinkedIn all the time. And I know she's doing really, really well in the mortgage space. Like it sounds dull, but like, look, you have once you've been in classrooms with 34 students going ah, for a decade, man, you can go and and the discipline that you have to follow a bell schedule. Ben, I can't tell you, man, one of my party tricks is the fact that I can I I can go from like like 7.15 a.m. to like 1.35 in the afternoon without peeing. Like <laughs> you're on a bell schedule. You're stuck in a room. The kind of discipline you develop over a decade of teaching in those kind of environments is hilarious. And when you take that into another field, it, it, it definitely does the trick. Like if you are a good teacher, you will make a great XYZ professional. You just have to commit to it the same, the same way you have to commit to teaching. They walk in your room. It's going to be chaos if you're not doing your uh, on top of your stuff. It's going to be good if you are on top of your stuff. And if you take that into the workforce anywhere else, like you can do it. And the other thing is, I know this is a bit of a bit of a ramble, but, you know, like, you know, as a teacher, like because you're, you're affecting kids lives. So one thing is I always promised myself that I would not be the teacher that I didn't want to have. So I, I would have been the teacher I didn't want to have after that 10 year mark. I know I would have been. 
but I decided about year six, seven, definitely by eight. I was like, mm, I'm getting close. I'm getting close. I don't think this thing's for me for 30 years. And uh, one thing about leaving is like now I have great interactions with all the students. I had great interactions for 10 years. And now they see me uh, on social media. They see me elsewhere. They're always asking me for referrals to other job, uh, to, like to, to career paths within Chattanooga in this area that we still live in. And like, that's a very special thing to be able to do. And they have somebody that they've known in their student life who's actually gone and done something else. It opens up doors for them, even if it's just a, like in a, in a, a sense of uh, virtual mentorship, like they know that you can go do these types of things. So beyond the salary and beyond like the, just the fact that you might be able to spur some education reform by sliding out of it and saying, guys, I'm leaving for three X the salary. Why don't y'all fix education or, <laughs> or lose the rest of your teachers? Like there is something special about uh, being able to uh, to move on before you get all chromogeny, you know, the miscrobopple and the Simpsons kind of thing. Like don't get to that point for sure. Yeah. I think the, um, I guess the thing I would say is the thing I learned from my podcast is like the thing I learned from this podcast overall is we're coming into a new world. And I don't mean to sound like all woo woo or all like whatever. I mean, like, seriously, we're coming into a new world because think about it. You're able to work from home now in ways that you weren't, you were able to do, but nobody really, there wasn't that push, right? There wasn't that let's accelerate into this. Okay. Uh, that also in a way sort of makes more jobs available because think about it. You can, you can sit somewhere yeah. In one place and yeah. your job can be in a whole different place and you just virtually commute to it. And also like the other thing, cause I'm on academic Twitter because I, I, I like to have professor history professors and stuff for podcast guests. So the other thing I see is when you get into college, you see it, for real you you see an industry dying and see that's the thing if we think of this as an industry instead of like this ivory tower rite of passage but as like this is an industry and these people are workers and they they spent a lot of years working very hard and you know of course they want to use it because it was expensive and they're yeah. proud of it and and some of these people do amazing work and whatever right Right. But the but the reward, the financial reward just isn't there anymore. And some of these stories that I'll read about on Twitter are literally heartbreaking. They're just literally heartbreaking. And I don't want to drag in names yeah, yeah. because those people aren't here with me right now, virtually speaking. <laughs> right. They're not they're not here with me right now. So I don't want to like drag names out, but to me, it's like, we've got to redesign something. And I don't know if it's the guild system has to come back by another name, you know, another way, but, but something has to change. 
And I and see, I don't think it's going to come from the government. I think it's going to come from from people and private businesses and just families, more or less. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I I totally agree. And like that's that's the thing about like when people want to change a system, it's it's massive. Like what you're talking about is is absolutely massive, but you have to start with your own what 24 inches whatever your circumference is, you know, like and and figure it out for yourself and your family. That you you mentioned finances. That was a big it was kind of like a gut punch for me because um I did not I I was not uh financially driven. Uh, at all, I knew to, um, I'm you know, fairly frugal. My, my family definitely is. And um, I had a savings account since I was in kindergarten. I knew how to save money. I knew how to not spend it. Um, I knew how to grab my summer job. I knew how to get my FAFSA in and try to get things paid for. I knew to get a stipend and, uh, and uh, you know, teach uh, the biology labs in order to get the master's degree paid for. And so I did all those things. I knew to drive the used cars, like the blah, blah. You know, I didn't even know about Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman or anything like that. And I was already doing those things by nature. And then there's something happened. This is before we even had a child. That, that, that's what struck me. Uh, we, we They offered us another $50,000 more than we spent on a home. And it was on the outskirts of Chattanooga at a time when Chattanooga wasn't, wasn't overly priced. And... Um, and then we were driving those used cars and we still couldn't go on vacation that summer. So we had two teachers, myself and my wife, and we and no children, an underpriced house, two underpriced cars, and we couldn't go on vacation. And like I'm not talking about like cruises, all all like all inclusive resorts. I'm not talking any flights. I'm talking getting down to the beach and grabbing a little condo for a week. Um, that was gonna be a challenge for us to do alone. And that's when I got just upset about it. I was like, look, I don't, I, do, I don't care about finances, but this isn't going to work. Like we're, we're coming up on age 30, been doing this for a long time, uh, never been unemployed for a single day, didn't get impacted by the 2008 financial crisis. Uh, a lot of teachers got laid off. I did not because all the, the number of jobs that I was performing within the school, within the various science classrooms and then on the, uh, uh, in the coaching realm. And uh, and it still didn't work. And that's the first time I understood. I was like, okay, I don't know if things have changed from decade to decade or um, or what it happens to be. But I'm going to have to kind of figure out something else to do on the side. And that that story. So I go to Costco uh, nearby the house. I go to Costco. I see a lot of people in Costco that I know from education because it's back down towards the North Georgia area from Chattanooga. But then there's also teachers that work in Costco that I that I used to work with that are still teachers. They're pushing buggies into the Costco. And I'm just like, man, it's brutal. It's brutal. Right. Uh, uh, my wife's friends, um, a lot of them do the uh, Pearson grading. So what are you doing this weekend? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, and this is after teaching all all week long or uh, they're in the summer doing this, they're given the SATs, they're grading the Pearson tests, and it's just trying to make 200 bucks. And these are master's degree, 10 year, you know, teaching very like, you know, I was shutting off stadium lights at 11, getting back up and getting to the school at 715. It's such a hustle and a grind. And it's fine if it's your mission and you care that much for it. But um, once a family is maybe in the works, 
um, or you desire to uh, not have to plug a flat on an, on a 15 year old old car anymore, like you're in a bit of a bind. And at that point, you know, it is good to know that there's a route by which you can go and make two or three times your income. And that's okay because there's a lot of people out there just don't think that's okay. And that is ridiculous. You have got to make money to live. Even if you don't even enjoy spending it, you're going to need it for all your basic necessities and teaching's not paying for that. Like it's, it, it, it's just not, and that's just not a topic that's approached within that teaching realm. By the way, that edu- that, uh, that insurance is, <laughs> isn't that good either. We had that kid eventually. I was still teaching at the time. I was a $7,000 out of pocket baby right there. So some people are like, I just teach for the insurance. Like, Hey, <laughs> I don't know how much a baby costs without insurance, but I don't think it's uh, too much more than seven grand. So just a lot of things back to back to back that, that didn't line up for me. Um, and you mentioned you have a lot of these kind of discussions off, off podcast. I do too. I don't even bring them up because if people don't want to talk about that kind of stuff, they don't want to talk about that kind of stuff. But I was getting physical therapy on a pulled hamstring, uh, like two days ago. And the physical therapy therapist is like, Hey, did you change careers? And I said, Oh yeah, yeah, I did like five years ago. It's gone well for me. I enjoy technology now. And, uh, and he goes, yeah, I'm thinking of doing that. I'm like, you? Like, why you don't like it? Should you be working on me? You know, this is your first thought is like, is this a good professional? He goes, no, no, I love my job. I love what I do. He goes, but I have a doctorate that has capped me out. I have three kids. Um, I'm still, you know, I don't make six figures. I'm making in the five figure realm. Um, My wife's a nurse practitioner. We both have gone to school forever. We're still paying those debts. Neither of us make the six figure mark, you know, so we're not those kinds of doctors that make that kind of money. But we did have to go to a ton of school. And I'm thinking of making the transition. And it's the same for them. Like it's the same, it's the same kind of concept. Now, like they're not making between 27 and 52, like I did over the course of my 10 years. Uh, those are very different things, but it's just the expectation that if you went to school and you attained to these certain statuses, that it should handle you. And especially at that master's degree, Mark, once you grab that master's degree, you think you're like golden and it's just not. So you should take your final semester as quickly as possible. And you should go ahead and take the leap into the world uh, sooner than you feel ready, because unfortunately, what it's giving you is not true preparation for the world anyway. You're doing all that for the sake of going to get a, a entry level position. So you should do that as quick as possible. And if you want to be a billionaire, you probably better drip, drop out your freshman year of college, right? <laughs> the Steve Jobs, Larry Ellison, Elon Musk, uh, Bill Gates stories. Mainly the the main reason 
I wanted to have this episode is I and I I say this to people and I've said it on my show. I see this as an oral history, cleverly disguised as a podcast. And I'm I'm in the top ten percent in the world and I'm I'm very proud of that. And I I'm happy to be there. But to me, my audience is not even my real audience is not even alive yet. Right? My real audience is the future scholars who might not even speak English. Okay. Um and to me, like I don't think you can understand our time, the time we live in right now, without understanding this problem that we've basically as many times as I've addressed as I've talked about it all over the planet, this is the first time we're actually addressing it on a podcast. You look at my catalog, I think I have 162 shows, all right? And this is the first time anybody had the guts to address this as a topic that's going to go into the internet. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I, listen, I, I, it was so painful to me it, to like, to understand that like the, what I had done um, was not going to be uh, enough to like bring, you know, every form of success that I was looking for into my life that it's one of those have to talk about kind of things. Um, because I guess a little bit of background is that uh, I was a little bit of a punk from like the, from like eighth grade through definitely junior year. And then I cleaned it up a little bit for my senior year. But uh, part of what I can say for college is it gave me the opportunity to step away from my uh, hometown, which was great. Great to go get a fresh start you know, be who you are, but you know, you meet people, people meet you where you're at there as opposed to like where you were at before. Um, and, uh, it gave me a fresh start to go in and say, Oh, I'll, I'll give school another chance because school is the big, that was the big push the big, you know, like, Hey, if you can do well at this, you'll do well in life. And so my intent for college, I did actually have a mission in college and, uh, and, and it's, it doesn't matter what you go into. If you can take out the trash and take it out with a mission, like that's good for you. You're doing it in a disciplined, committed format. It's just good for human beings. So I went to college with a mission, and so that was that was a it's a great vehicle in that sense. But uh, but one of the things was is like, hey, I'm going to go do really well at school, and um, and that and I'm ready to turn over a new leaf for my life. Um, and I didn't see anything beyond that. So um, I put my heart and soul into uh, everything, you know, and I didn't really even want people to know it. <laughs> so I would like sneak back over to, uh, man, what was it called? Was it Tarpley? Tarpley was one of them, but it was just, uh, what was the library called? What was our, uh, what was our library? Uh, uh, um, okay, I've been to so many. Um... <laughs> let's, let's do it. Uh, Dobbs. Mm, uh, Dobbs. Okay, Dobbs is a science building. Smith Johnson, uh, Paul Jones. Lawson was the academic Lawson, center. Lawson, 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 um, right? Lawson's what I'm thinking okay. of, right? Wait, it's got to be Lawson, uh, that library. Was it Coker or was it, it started with a C. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, but like, do, do you know, oh. uh, anyway, I would what sneak back over there at night because I would, I would make some, uh, I'd make a little bit of like green tea or something, something with caffeine, sneak back over at night. And because uh, I couldn't study in those dorms, oh my gosh! But dude, I took it so seriously. I had a daily planner every single day. I got after it for those academics because they were. I was trying to prove something to myself, but I was also trying to like set up my life for success. And um, and I didn't know that the two were not correlated. 
um, as far as like the, the the true academic rigor. People will argue this with me all day long um, that no, 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 it doesn't matter. Like that's not what school's for. But that's not the pitch, you see. The pitch is, yeah, 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 take these classes. And as you're there, you'll find something you're so passionate about that you'll do it forever. So anyway, after, at that point, whenever it was time to, uh, whenever it was, you know, whenever you do all that and then you go into the, to the world, you know, like that's the, that's the separation there. You, you have to, you, whenever you think you've found the solution and it's not actually the solution, that's the little bit of trick. That's the little bit of sleight of hand that, uh, that I just didn't appreciate about the, uh, about that, about that setup. And by the way, the, uh, the names on all these buildings we were just mentioning, uh, it never really occurred to me that those were just super rich people that probably had businesses and things like that, which you can get a business degree, but I, I still don't think that's going to make you anything better than a, a, you know, a good business employee perhaps, you know, and this is going down a rabbit hole where like people like to, uh, to, uh, to really like go back all the way to the Prussian system and where the term kindergarten comes from and making good employees and, and soldiers and things. And there's definitely something to that, but I just want to like demystify a little bit that college is going to be the thing that, that takes you to that, to that next level. Um, and, uh, and then extend it to teachers who might feel stuck in a 30 year career that uh, is experiencing a lot of, you know, well, headaches and heartaches way, right now. I mean, literally, like I said earlier in the podcast, the, the way I look at it is if, if we change the verbiage from what we talk about it as a society now to, like, if we, say, if we said, you know, the steel industry in this country is dying, right, or, or the car industry in this country is dying, right, you'd want to help those people. Okay. You'd want to help those workers versus, versus say, yeah. you know, but now that we've talked about this for 49 minutes, give or take, <laughs> um, what are some, how, as a culture, how do we, how do we move past this? Cause okay. The reality no, is man. you're going to have to get these 18 year olds or whatever trained into something. You're going to have to figure out a way to train them into something. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So there's, there's a couple of things here. Like there's what you first have probably have to distinguish is like, is like, and this was never more apparent than during COVID. Um, you know, my wife's a teacher, brother-in-law, uh, sister, all in education. Uh, and, uh, and they, depending on the ages, uh, sent them back like very quickly or very slowly. And a lot of that was based on the daycare needs, you know, the child care needs. So um, first of all, you have to separate the education from the daycare. And those are inseparable, like currently, like we just need a place to put kids during the day um, and hope that they learn as well. Actually, um, wait, wait, ironically, pause. pause. Um there's actually a podcast I recorded, which I will never release into the world for other reasons, where somebody said that exact same thing. Exactly. No, I'm not even playing. And y'all, and, so and y'all don't it's even like... know each other. 
Yeah, that's so funny. But it's so obvious. Like it's it's just one of those things. I've got a kid now. I get it. Like I'm like I'm like ah man, I got to work. So uh, where are you going today? You going to school, right? Cool, cool. You know, <laughs> like it's you, you have to put them somewhere. So that's the first thing when people are talking about education reform. Like you need to fundamentally decide what you're what you're kind of talking about because there's not a coincidence that like the the daycare that we sent her to when she was three was the exact same price as the uh, as the school we sent her to when she was four. Because it's, you know, it's another form of daycare. Like that is something that, that definitively well, happens. I mean, also, uh, and I'm not saying this is wrong and I'm not judging it, but also like if you left a four-year-old at home by herself, uh, you know, the, the police are going to get involved. I'm just saying, if you, if you keep doing that. Right, right. <laughs> there's, there's so many more challenges to it. Let's be honest so, about it. So, but. So if we're, yeah, then if we're truly, if we're truly talking, if we're truly backing it up from like, you know, separating uh, education from daycare, then I would just do like you do in anything. Who's doing very, very well? Who is making a difference for the world, making money at the same time, employing a lot of people? And you're going to end up with a handful of people that maybe we already named off when we named off some of the billionaires. So let's take the time man of the year, Elon Musk. Okay, Elon Musk cuts a somewhat controversial figure, but you can't deny that like what he's done with his uh, three companies are is not unbelievable. Well, Elon Musk has got a gaggle of kids. He's actually got a bunch of children. Um, I, their names are kind of funky and like are like a series of letters and numbers in some cases. But Which, um, I mean that ought to but be. He, come on, name the kid a name. I mean, I'm, I'm not you know whatever man, but you know, just saying. But. I mean, I have. He runs school for oh, his kids. Okay. He has he has specific specific uh, subjects taught, and uh, they run a different series set of things. They he introduces he has problems introduced, and then they they run through a series of challenges. Like how will they solve this challenge? How will they solve this problem in the world? What would they go after? It's it's a different way to do it, you know. Um, it requires a lower like teacher to student ratio. Requires a lot of like ad hoc resources. And hey, he's got them to give, right? Maybe it's not great for large group organization. Maybe it's not you know good for uncustomizable programs that you have to run in uh, in larger uh, like uh, public or private mm -hmm. settings. But there there's probably a method. Like that's what I like to look at. That's what I like to talk to to uh, millionaire billionaires about. I've only talked to uh, uh, one billionaire about this particular subject, and it wasn't an elevator. I caught a guy in the elevator, and I want all I wanted to know from him: Hey, how do you educate your kids? And he was taken really far back, but like billionaires don't know what to do about that. Nor do multimillionaires. They're like, I don't know, because they have the money to pay for anything, but they know that the education they're going to get nine times out of ten is not even worth so, that money. That they could just so soon here's burn. what I would suggest. Um, and I've thought a lot about this. Okay. I would suggest to set up something similar to the guild system. So you want to teach this person a skill or a trade or whatever the word is for that. Right. But you also yeah. want, so like, I'm a big believer in the scientific method. Okay. I'm a big believer that every, everybody of an, of an intellect ought to walk out of, ought to walk out of an educational setting with an understanding of what the scientific method is and of an understanding of, of certain aspects of history, not from a storytelling perspective, but from a, 
when you study history, you study historical forces that are enacted onto the world. Okay, so you need to understand those forces. Okay, you need to understand what those forces are and what's going on there. Um, And I would think, I would think, honestly, we need to teach civics. Um, So, but if you want to teach civics and maybe the scientific method and maybe something about historical forces to people that you're also teaching a skill to, then that's fine. I mean, that's what I'd do, honestly, if I set it up. That's exactly what I do. Yeah. Uh, I like the idea of a guild because it's like there is a practical outlay and there's different things for different age mm-hmm. groups. Mm-hmm. There's things that are like appropriate for different times of like, like um, development in younger ages is so it's so rapid. They're just little sponges. They pick things up so, so quickly. Their subconsciouses are, are almost locked in by the time they're seven. You know, it's just, it's unbelievable how quickly and rapidly they change early, early stage. But there does reach that stage and it's poignant. You can see it when you're a teacher because sixth graders and now now the Internet changes us a little bit. There's nuance. They see things. They, they grow up too quickly when they're overly exposed to, uh, to a certain kind of content. But <laughs> on the whole, sixth graders are children and seventh graders are like sub adults. And, and listen, they just they're like, oh, Mr. Thorne, can I go to the bathroom? You're like, OK. Okay, Dale, you know, it's whatever, like you can tell, like the voices are changing, but it's not just puberty. It's like they want to be in the world. They want to be helping. So there's an age that's that's fairly well delineated by like, uh, you know, teens, 12, 13. Like these these are like able individuals. They are there's like a learned helplessness, though, of like when you're ready to be an adult and to try adult things and then you're uh, you're you're pushed back into a chair. Uh, to learn, you know, whatever it happens to be, you don't have much of a choice even until you get to college um, for uh, for the next, it's still 10 more years, right? 12 to 22 at a minimum, it's 10 more years. And so you just kind of give up. Like there's like, ah, I'll never get out there. And, you know, muscles atrophy in two days, that physical therapist, like, he's like, man, what happened to you? I was like, I got an injury like four months ago. And he's like, oh, you lost two centimeters on your leg. I'm like, God, I've been using that leg. I, I'm even like laid down, but atrophy happens. It happens in, in people and in, in adolescence as well. So I like the idea of a guild for when you hit about that age of 12 or 13, get some different experiences, like go be in the world, let them use all that vigor uh, for, uh, for good, because otherwise they're going to take that energy and it's going to be trouble. Like it was trouble for me. It's going to be trouble for wonder, others. Honestly, uh, like, you know, as I think back historically, right. I think you might have accident, and I don't know if it is an accident because you actually went to college too, and you went to education just like I did. You know, you took education classes essentially, just like I did. I wonder if you've hit on something there because guild like apprenticeships started about eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, like when they were rocking, when they were going. That's about when they would start eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Mm. And you don't really hear about like teenagers. You don't really hear people described as teenagers until literally about, I'd say, well, on mass, like the fifties, right? Because okay. like, I remember doing this oral history thing or studying these oral history documents. Um, I had a professor at at Georgia State who was uh, famous uh, when he was alive. His name was Clifford Kuhn. And he did 
oral histories out the yin yang, I mean, out the wazoo, right? And he did these oral histories of people who lived through the depression. And like, you never heard about, well, when I was a teenager, like they didn't even, I think some of them didn't even use the word. You know, I, I don't hmm. remember right now when that word became a word, but it's one of those things like in order to make something a word, like in order to have it as a concept, it has to be a word. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just... You know, I I wonder if it's, it, you know, each generation rebels against the last. You know, a lot of the things are like how old somebody has to be to work. They're put in place to protect youth. But you know how that goes. Like, you know, a protection can, can end up, you know, you're walling out the invaders from the outside. But what if something happens on the inside and you can't get out well, the I, other direction? Like I know, you know for my, my grandfather on my mother's side, my mother's father was uh, when he was in Florida, he wanted to be an electrician. And he worked, he got this job with an electrician. But the electrician he was working with or working for would only train him so much because he didn't want the competition. So, yeah. Mm, so, mm. right. I wonder about that. Yeah, that's some small town stuff yeah, there, right there. I forget what... <laughs> there was no internet there to find a no, new prospect, no. it sounds like. Right. No, he actually uh, came back, came back up here and met my grandmother and whatever. But, well, I'll say one thing, because because solving society's problems are much harder than uh, because it's such a wide open uh, thesis. But I have have a child. She's about to be seven. Um, She can do I've already worked with her on on some math. I'm like, hey, all you need to learn how to do is count to 10. Then we'll start to multiply. She's like, what's multiplication? I'm like, can you count it 10? She gives it to me. I'm like, all right, let's multiply. Like, I'm just trying to get into some concepts that she's going to use very regularly mm-hmm. in life. Uh, reading, writing, math. Dude, you'll, you'll never not need those. I love those. I love the three R's as they, as they used to call them. Um, but we do those. And then I told her, I was like, hey, do you think you can do bookkeeping? I don't even have a business yet. I'm a W-2 salaried employee. But one day... Okay, and then we'll have some income and I want her to start doing something that touches a practical application in the real world. I've heard of people doing this as young as like uh, second and third grade, being able to take the numbers, add them in and just do these types of like accounting type of work. It's just dull, but that's what they're supposed to be learning at school at that point anyway, is the addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. Great. Let's do it. And then um, I would like her. I just want in the, the moment she has an inclination to take something into the world, an idea that she has and create it, be productive, take it into the world. I would like to resource her to be able to do that and feel those successes and failures. Um, athletics can bring you this in a different form where you feel success and feel failure based on your, your input. Um, and I, I would love for her to be able to do that at age, again, like you're, like you're mentioning here, 11, 12, because that's when I got really kind of froggy to do some things. And it just didn't work out. You couldn't work at Kroger till you were 15, couldn't work at Publix till you were 16, you know, and um, and it just, you know, like you, you're capable long before that. I always found the middle schoolers I taught to be capable when I gave them a real task that involved a little bit of danger. 
um, some of those science labs, if they had, if there was something that could harm or hurt or some uh, type of chemical or like a scalpel or something, they were always very careful with those things. They were flippant with the things that, you know, a broken pencil, that's what drew blood. That's what like was actually dangerous. And then in high school, the same way, they want to be trusted with like grown up things. Uh, and the more we do that, the earlier, the better. Um, now, I don't know how you bring that to society and all the litig like litigiency that we have, but for my daughter and any of her friends, the other thing is I, I can say I would take um, I could take I could take preteens and teach them to do what I learned to do as like a 33 year old career changer uh, to uh, to kick off my uh, my new career. I could teach them and I would rather teach them than teach a bunch of uh, 25 or 30 year olds. Uh, definitely not 30 year olds to do because they don't have any fear either. There is no fear of life yet at that point. Um, so they might not be mature enough, but I could teach them to, to like have those strange social interactions that are involved when you have to use telephones and email and things like that. And they just don't care. Like they're, they're fine to do it. They'll bang on technology. If it works, it works. Well, if it doesn't, it doesn't. They don't have also, any fear. I think of some things. of it is like, I mean, you've heard the term, I'm sure you've heard the term digital native versus digital immigrant. So yeah, yeah, like yeah, I'm just barely a digital immigrant. So you imagine like one thing I say to people is, and not to be weird about it, but I would love to be like 16 today. I would love that because like, think about all the stuff like 30 years from now, right? But all the yeah. technology 30 years from now. And what I, what I tell people, I tell this to folks like in the history space, like in the history world all the time. If you want to know what the prob or the political science world, right? If you want to know what the problems and what the issues and what the thought processes are going to be like 30 years from now, all you have to do is go listen to a bunch of high schoolers. Just go listen mm -hmm. to a bunch of 16-year-olds mm -hmm. because – they're going to be think they're going to be talking about what they're talking about now, but they're going to be adults. Right. So, you know, that's a thought, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, I, I'm, you I'm curious. You'll have to, uh, I know we're at our time, but like, you'll have to, uh, the, the, the person who, uh, who, uh, had the similar thoughts and discussions around the daycare piece, asking them the guilt question too. Figure out, figure out Actually, what we're doing and tell them he's on. One of the reasons, oh, I'm sorry, years. one of the reasons I really wanted to have this conversation on the record with a human, and it just so happened to be my my uh, college buddy Pete, <laughs> that happened to have this, <laughs> it's so crazy, man. I put out Reddit ads. I put out nobody, I mean, look it, look it. I've gotten people to talk to me about authority. This is how sensitive this topic is. Okay, for real, for real. I've gotten people to talk to me about being wrongly imprisoned in a mental hospital. I've gotten people to talk to me about living in authoritarian regimes. I've gotten people to talk to me about living in China. Okay? I had, I had, yeah. I had a person tell me, and I quote, I could be shot for telling you this, but the world needs to hear it. I can't get a single person to talk on the record about the fact that the education setup and the work setup are, if not separating, 
or if not separated, are separating. Okay, I it's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. It is. It is a little wild. I, 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 it's pretty. That's pretty interesting. I don't know why not. Maybe it's just too close to home or something like that. Like, you know, or you don't want. I wanna, think a lot of people. You know, I well, think first of all, you have to address failure. I think that's the first part. You have to address failure. But the second part is, I think there's something in our culture that just says that the way that Native Americans thought that you couldn't sell land, right? I think there's something Mm -hmm. in our culture that just says, like you were talking about earlier, that your life will happen later. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. I, I really honestly believe that what what happened was that it did happen, that that did happen because you didn't have Google, right? You didn't have something where I could just be a decently educated person and just type in search terms and bam, there's an article about COVID. Bam, there's this lab somewhere and they're doing the they're doing the Lord's work on COVID and, and telling the world about it. You know, or bam, there's this article, or bam, there's this doctor that'll talk to me off record, or whatever. And you didn't have that back in the yeah. day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's definitely true. I mean, that stuff's only yeah. been around, you know, solid for twenty years, so yeah. so that's 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 a certainty. And and it wasn't always, it wasn't, you know, there was there were higher stakes. You know, an eighth grade education used to be quite a thing. Um, I've seen the eighth grade uh, graduation requirements from like. 1940 something. I don't know. It was, it was an old, um, eighth grade graduation test hard as hell. Okay. It was sitting in the, uh, the teacher lounge. They call it a lounge. It's not what you think. It's just a bunch of printers in the bathroom. <laughs> but you know, before I was a teacher, I always pictured people in there drinking diet Cokes and smoking and stuff like that. Um, and, and talking about the kids and no, no, you never have time. You just run in to make your copies and run back back in the day. Anyway, it'd be digital now for sure. But, uh, but no, that was, that was it. And so it, it was hard. Uh, and then college was something that could separate you. And, um, and usually people had it paid for on their way out, even if they busted, you know, busted it to make the money on the side to pay the pay it, you know, it was on the quarter system. So you could move faster through it as opposed to the semester system. There's differences. There's, there's things that happened. And then if, if you're a doctor, lawyer, engineer, and you're really, and you're really doing well, in your space, then you're going to be grateful for your education um, that you got. So if you take it all the way into one of those professions, I, there's there's an argument for it. But for the average like run of the mill person, and look, no, no, I, even in my household, it's not agreed upon um, oh, yeah. because it is a safe nest. Like where did me and you meet? We met in college. You know, what about Brian Charles Steele? College. The guy that rang in. Guess where he's from? College. That was Victor Tillery giving a phone call just a minute ago. Oh. <laughs> Victor. So I mean, these are it's great. It's a great place to meet and like go. Like so, there is something to be said for the you know daycare. But, but see, I don't even. Those are two that's different the problem. And they should be. They that's should be the separated. Problem is yeah. I don't think it is daycare. I don't think. I don't think actually college is daycare. I think it became daycare. But to a certain extent, not to a okay. So not to a total extent, but I think it became not daycare, but 
what's the word I want? Like the finishing school, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it got outrageously expensive mm -hmm. too. You know, like when we started at our college, it was 12 grand. Uh, well, you know, we were slightly different years, but like it was 12 grand when I entered. It was 24 when I left four years later. Okay. It was still very inexpensive for a private school. Uh, but then, um, so I had, even after the master's degree, I had $22,000, $23,000 in uh, student loans. And I got those paid off, uh, did well to pay those off. But can you, and I got to utilize my degree. You know, that's the thing. Like if you meet somebody, they seem to be successful. Uh, so you're like, oh, so you must've gotten a degree in XYZ. They're like, oh no, liberal arts. You know, it's like, it's, it was unconnected. So I did feel a pride in the fact that I got to use my degree. Uh, but can you imagine like, not using your degree and being hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. That is a much more common story. And you know, you can't cancel that debt, dude. You can go bankrupt. They can cancel out every one of your credit card debts, everything else. They will not cancel out student debt because it's owed to the government. And there is more student debt than there is credit card think, debt now. So that I unreal. think also, I think, you know, there's a lot of talk about how this is mainly a Harvard problem or this is mainly an Ivy league problem or whatever, but it's not, it's, it's honestly not. It's a, it's a state institution problem. And if, if I was going to send my daughter to college and this is highly likely, like, right? Like it, these things will, these things will come faster than I know. And then it, it can be that, that time point. But I would, I would say, Hey, just go to one of the top 10, universities because it's all expensive and you might as well go places where you don't have to explain about your school at least let it work for you in the name alone the branding of it drink the coca-cola not the sam's cola in this case so top 10 right or go to any any school you want but do it in two years finish get in get out if it's that if it's if the education is that great then two act like just double your time get in get out uh, and so that way you can go ahead and, and just move on into the, uh, to the world and start, you know, start at the bottom, you know, quicker. Well, what I, um, I mean, those, what those I would say is by the time your kid is 18 or 19, I don't know how old, I don't know when she, her birthday is, but 18, 19, whatever. Um, I think the world's going to be different by that point because I'm out here talking to people all over the place. This is going to change. I guarantee you there's going to be a thing that comes along that's going to do what people think college does. Right? I guarantee you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, could be. Uh, definitely could be. It will be, it will be, um, privately offered. I'll give well, it, it'll that, be, man. it'll I be at first, I guarantee you it'll be between families. It'll, it'll be between families or between friend networks or whatever. But I mean, this, it's just so, you know, this is the, like I said, like I was thinking if I were a future scholar, that wanted to learn about the 21st century, right? And I'm looking at the politics and I'm looking at the, the social whatever and blah, blah, blah. The thing I need to understand to understand all that 
is there's all these people that were promised a thing from the time they could read, right? And then that thing, just for a lot of those people, never materialized. And so what did they go do? They went to go get more college, right? Now, if I'm a future historian, I need to understand that. If I want to understand the social unrest and what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That will be, that will be, that would be an interesting, an interesting yeah. premise. Like if this dose doesn't do it, what dose will? <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, if you're a coffee drinker or a beer drinker, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, this used to be a two beer issue. Now it's a four beer issue. You know, ah, <laughs> oh, I was a one cup uh, back yeah. in college. Now it takes yeah. three, you know, like, ah, uh, you know, it's like any other addiction. Yeah. It seems like oh. <laughs> it's interesting, man. It really is. And then I do also remember like when, uh, going down to uh, a spring break trip and things like that. And then, um, and them having, uh, I, I thought the worst thing I'd ever experienced was, um, having all these credit card companies out on the beaches in like Panama city or whatever it was, Panama city beach and, uh, in Florida. And then they were like giving away free t-shirts for, uh, if you sign up for a credit card. So I, like I told you kind of like I'm frugal, like fiscally responsible, like I'd sign up under different names. I didn't say I wasn't a punk, sign up under different names and get the, uh, get the nice clean, crisp free t-shirts while I was down there, you know, camping at the KOA and grabbing a uh, spring break, break trip. But, um, but I thought that was the craziest thing. But then like when you kind of like pull open the hood, at least you could go bankrupt or like file chapter 13 or whatever it is. And they would cancel those cards out. But the, uh, the student debt you were racking up back at the uh, homestead, that one would still ride along with you. I was like, when I learned that, I was like, Oh my goodness, there's a little, there's a little bit something else, man. There's a little bit of a, a little bit of a different deal because they're loaning you the money. It's still a loan. It just comes from the government. So that just, it doesn't make me feel like super warm and fuzzy about the, about the setup. Like we're here to help you. Like, ah, it's like, that's a strange, it's a strange way, a uh, strange way to um, help. There's even that grace period. That's like an old drug dealer thing. The first one's for free. You're like, no, you'll be okay. You don't have to pay it back for six months. <laughs> like, like, what are we selling here? Uh, yeah. So uh, I know we crossed over a little bit well, in topic. The, long, the longest uh, podcast I ever did was uh, several hours, I think. Um, coming up on Joe Rogan special. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the longest podcast I ever did was several hours, but then that took place right around January six. So we were talking about the news. <laughs> ah, know. right. I actually, right. Yeah. there's a man somewhere in the world. I'm not going to say who it is, but there's a man that I owe a cross promotion to because. We ended up talking about that <laughs> instead of his podcast. But yeah. Hmm. Well, we'll have to do this again, see how it all goes. Uh, whether it's uh, a few years from now and we're, we're tracking COSET's uh, alternative education progress, if I ever kick that one into mode, or, <laughs> uh, or, uh, or seeing uh, what new shenanigans a, uh, a former teacher gets oh, into. I love to have um, returning guests. I absolutely, I absolutely do. And I've had essentially perfect strangers is returning guests. So, yeah, but I'd love to talk to you again.
Um, all right, everybody. Uh, this has been uh, Ben Kitchings of the History Voyager. And this is going to make the internet. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. All right, everybody. See ya. Nice. Thanks, man. Hey, Thanks hey, for having me stay on. Stay on the line. Don't leave. Don't leave because we get to download. <laughs> but other than that.